say it lives in there. They say it sleeps. It lives in an abandoned Sarlacc pit. I've done tattooing my whole life. There's no such thing as an abandoned Sarlacc pit. There is if you eat the Sarlacc. Rebel Scum and Vigilantes. This is your co-host Brett and the one and only Stephen Garrett. Hello. Hello. Glad to be back after, I don't know, nine months of, I mean, we're still in quarantine, but yep. locked away in uh, carbonite. Yes. And, uh, frozen even. So nice to see your face. We haven't been together since March and we've had to take a bit of a hiatus too, just because with my children in this house 24 7 for nine months because chicago is still in full quarantine with steven's job and trying to work two adults full-time from home in your house and i mean it's just been a full-time job to exist our first official full episode back but we've invited last week's friend of the pod special guest g striker host Hello. of <laughs> the steeler nation podcast and yes. fellow movie madness enthusiast amongst us to participate in a really exciting roundtable this is going to be our Mandalorian episode for episode one of season two. Fantastic episode. I have so much to say about this. I know Steven does too. Spoiler alert. Do not. Do not. You just do not. It's is not the way if you have not seen it. Do not listen now. We are going to spoil everything. And then even if you thought you understood every Easter egg, we're going to spoil more for you because you may not have. So actually. many Easter eggs. <laughs> yeah. So we'll just go through it bit by bit here. As is customary or becoming customary with um, the pre-credit episodes of Mando, we have another celebrity cameo in Alien Fat Suit with one eye. Um, talk to us about this guy, Stephen, and who is behind. Yeah, the, the uh, famed actor from 1990s uh, Spawn movie. Ah! Um, the, the violator that you know you know every you know i think that's john leguizamo's uh, titular role that he's had in his whole career no just yeah. just kidding <laughs> um yeah no that was a that was a fun as gore koresh uh yeah was a uh fun new character um got to see some some awesome gamorians uh duke it out in the ring uh wrestling style there's been a lot of wrestling i mean i guess it was more melee combat but a axe, lot of axe a lot of, and uh, force field sort of activity personal shield <laughs> generators yeah. Yeah. it's it seemed to me though that the object was to try to knock the other like axe out of the other gamorian guards hands it didn't seem yeah. like we they were ever know. going for like we a limb know. or anything thanks, to, thanks yeah. to john loguizamo we'll never know what the object yeah. of that was to be except that one was presumed to be the the about to deal a death knell and then it was suddenly a yeah. completely different game but that's sort of um it's it's almost always like you know some bounty hunters walk into a saloon um 
he's definitely got baby Yoda with him or the child with him. Now the child seems to have like noticed something about Mando's tone. Uh, (laughs) 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 There go the doors. He's like, "Uh (laughs) I'm not going to help in this one. I'm just going to get the heck out of here. Here comes those little bird, the little bird rockets. Um, I love them so much. I know. And his costume with the new, with the like fully, you know, glinting uh, best car that he's got. And it just like the swagger, he kind of, I want, I just like was thinking from episode one of season one, the whole, I can bring you in warm or I can bring you in cold, like yeah. beginning at the time it was Horatio Sands, who was the funny, funny guy fleeing the bounty on his head. Now John Leguizamo has uh, information about this uh, rumored location of an additional Mandalorian and, yeah. and Mando is compelled to seek him out to kind of help find more family of the child so that he can unite him with his kind. And to get this information, clearly John Leguizamo thinks there's no way Mando's walking out. Um, he wants the Beskar, just like everybody. So Mando extracts the information <laughs> after murdering Batman dozens. style. <laughs> the doorman <laughs> even got in on the action. Uh, and then uh he's hung out uh to become supper for i presume some sort of fox coyote yeah i tried i tried digging to find out what those were because this bothers me greatly that i don't know what those red-eyed creatures are they're a callback to those foxes um from uh last jedi too a little bit like those are they're like a like a batshit halloween version yeah (laughs) i we'll we'll find out in some official guide to the mandalorian the wikipedia Wikipedia will have them eventually yeah i i i tried that was one the one thing that i was like there were a lot i was expecting that to be some other type of easter egg but as far as I know, it's not at this that point. That reminds me of the other reference I had to look up. I was so excited to see this. And I actually purchased this on Amazon Prime Day. This is my five-piece bounty hunter collection. Celebrate the Star Wars saga uh, three and three-quarters inch action figures. Don't so, know why our five's in that mix. R5. But... Yeah. So let's talk about that. I can't remember in Mando because I have so many other notes where R5 makes the appearance. Do you remember that, Stephen? Yes, with uh, Peli. <laughs> Amy Sedaris's That's right. uh, character. Yep, she she is the now caretaker of R five, which is pretty pretty awesome that it's managed to survive all these years. Yeah. So, uh, Stryker. so I, I was confused on the R five because to me it looked like an R four unit. Oh really? Yeah, because I always had the toys growing up, and the R four units were the like the red ones with the square heads. I didn't know if an R five was technically a longer version of an R four unit. But so, when she called it an R five, I was technically confused. So walk me through the R five. Yeah. So I went. I have. went deeply into um, it's the R five D four unit, yeah. which may be where you're getting the number four from. But the R five. Yes, that's that's probably it. That the R five D four is the the unit that when Luke and it's got a bad uncle, motivator. Yes. 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 Right there. Right when when Luke he, it was and the his first uncle, one he was going to buy. That's right. And yeah. he. So here's what I didn't know, Striker, and I'd be curious if you knew this. I'm sure Stephen did. This is Star Wars canon. Yeah. Whoever wrote the droid language translated the conversation between R2 and R5. Mm-hmm. And R5 purposefully malfunctioned his motivator. Yes, and the did. conversation between them is, I'm R2-D2 and I'm on an important mission. I'm R5-D4. No mission that I know of. My memory was wiped four years ago. Malfunctions the motivator. 
Luke, mm, bad motivator, uncle. Then get this up with this R2 unit over here. And then R2 says to R4 as he departs, thank you, friend. You may have saved the galaxy today. I will never forget you. Oh. So when we come back sweet. to Tatooine, which is sort of, if you think about this whole weird John Logazamo scene with the fighting, you know, pig snout guards from huh. Jabba's palace on Tatooine, we're back at Tatooine, you know, and I'm really excited that we see Peli because everyone loved Amy Sedaris in that role. I rewatched The Gunslinger before yeah. I watched, like, waiting for the launch of the episode one of season two. And her portrayal and just like the humor with the the pit droids and the the banter between her and Mando and her like a complete admiration for the child. And it's just it was delightful to see her back. So that's that's why I have R5 written for the next conversation point is because he's right. Yeah. Right there. Yeah. You, you, to wonder. yeah. you properly corrected me. Yes. R5D4 was the one. It's just the COVID it's hard to remember. slash dyslexia that's got me. <laughs> So thanks for correcting me. And I think we we see some other R five units in like the Yavin base. Um, mm-hmm. I want to yeah. say one of the Y wings has an R has an R five unit in it. Um, yeah, so. but it's interesting because you don't know. I mean, we 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 see a lot, and we'll get to this further in the episode. But even the Jawas, like giant um, desert tank mobile, you know, Tankrawler. has a. Yeah. What is it called again? Sandcrawler. Sandcrawler. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Has a lot of the junk on it that's sort of been regurgitated probably in the same sandcrawler for many years. And you have to kind of wonder if this is set before. So this is after the Death Star 2 event. Mm-hmm. Then is this the same, possibly the same R5 unit that Luke didn't? I think so. Yeah, I think so. And yeah, it's same planet, so... Yeah. Same coloration too on it. Yes. And that would that would be a Favreau thing to throw back to those Absolutely. There's nothing yeah. unintentionally done. And a lot of that I think is to Dave Filoni's credit because I think John Favreau, his nerddom checks out probably about where mine does. And then Dave mm-hmm. Filoni's got like a Steven level um encyclopedic knowledge. So I'm always like, Steven, what is this thing called from this one? And he just knows and I'm like, Yeah, that's it. I'm pretty sure that's probably how ninety percent of the scoping goes on the on the set yeah there's there's a lot of there's this episode in particular was just flush full of really interesting easter eggs and uh, another one that's sort of just a fun callback to season one is when Pelly is talking about i guess he likes droids now because right. obviously at yeah. the end of season one ig88 saves mando's life yeah completely changes you know and even the respect that mando shows the droids that he sees on Tatooine. Mm. Hey, droid, like, do you have information about this? It's very different than in the gunslinger when it's just kind of disgust. You know, don't let the droids touch my ship. Yeah. Instead of like, just give it the full, you know, once over. And of course, those pit droids can't help themselves, but make a mess out of everything. So and um, the one the one scene I saw the Jawas when he was playing with a uh, it looked like a droid head. The the one head was covered. I, I couldn't tell if it was a protocol droid or a Death Star droid or even possibly the original version, one of the failed prototypes for um, Darth Vader, which was that white mm. droid looking thing that's visible in the, you know, A New Hope on yep. the Sandcrawler in the background. Yep. Yeah. Um, so, I, but I, I just couldn't, I didn't stop, I didn't go back and rewind to see exactly what helmet was in the Jawa's hand, but I did see a droid uh, head inside one of the Jawa's hands. 
Yep. So is there anything else in, I feel like there's almost like two pre, I mean, they're not technically pre-credit scenes, but there's almost like two pre-plot scenes that get us to why this episode is called the Marshall. Um, yep. Is there anything else that goes on? She shows the, the map of pre Death Star to Tatooine so that they can find uh, this new location because the information that John Leguizamo's character has given to Mando is that there is someone who wears Mandalorian armor on Tatooine and Mando's mm -hmm. saying, I've been there. No, there's not. Mm -hmm. Well, there is. And everybody mm -hmm. who's seen <laughs> who's seen Return of the Jedi knows that the armor is there. But is there anything else from Peli's garage? Well, I don't <laughs> think so. I mean, that's our first reference to Mos Pelgo, which is if you've read the Aftermath trilogy, that's where Cobb Vance makes his first appearance. And we get we get way more backstory. So if you did like the backstory, the little bit that you get kind of fleshed out in the episode, there's a lot more to his backstory that's in the Aftermath trilogy, yeah. um, which I would recommend reading. Yeah, and Stephen made me start paying attention to Aftermath like back in the spring when Mando um, closed season one down and highly recommend it as well. Okay, so let's move on then to why it's called the Marshall. So Mas Pelgo is an outpost. So there's, you know, Mas Eisley is sort of the the better known established port on Tatooine. Espa. <laughs> Mas Espa. And mm -hmm. then Mas Pelgo is sort of uh, known as a place that got raided after the events, uh, the, sort of the power vacuum that was left in, in, as uh, the Empire pulled out. And so we we go into a bar that it seems like there's that bar in every port on hmm. Tatooine. <laughs> Deadwood. Um, or Deadwood, yeah. yeah. It's very, I mean, and just even with the... It's just again, Amanda walks into a saloon, meets a guy at a table or at over a beer or a pint of bone broth. <laughs> well, I had trouble recognizing Timothy Oliphant I first know. when I was watching the show because he smiled so much, and it's like I'm so used to watching him in Deadwood with that yeah. stern look and always scowling and just yeah, yeah. side we, to side. We get two Deadwood characters introduced at the same pretty nearly <laughs> the same time, so. Yeah, let's talk about that. So Dan Doherty, the bartender for Swearingen's Bar, is the weak way bartender in uh, <laughs> same that's actor, W. Earl Brown. So yeah, so oh, it's it's great. a double, double uh, kind of shout out to Deadwood. Uh, it's so that. fun, too, because John Favreau directed this episode, um, which we didn't see any that he directed in season one. So this is this has been really exciting. And I know that he and Filoni were listed as equal executive producers on this on this role. So mm. Favreau always just casts people he loves from other projects in in his projects. And that's sort of how mm. you built out a lot of Iron Man too. like just rounded out their cast with people that he loved. And some of them were in, you know, mine roles. Some of them are directors he's always loved, like Bryce Dallas Howard. Mm. And, you know, he picks them very intentionally. So it, it just fits with this Wild West theme yeah. for, you know, gunslingers. And that's sort of why rewatching Gunslinger before watching The Marshall is really fun. I, I highly recommend it to see yeah. just how Mando has changed in his visits to Tatooine nice. um, uh, and the that horrible character. Um, is it Bobby Monaghan's son from oh, yeah. <laughs> who plays a oh, what is his name? Like Cass or Cal or something just like complete wimp and failed yeah. uh guild guy was, so that this was the episode was that the one where they were hunting magna wen's character yes okay mm -hmm. so, so fennec, that's, fennec shand 
yeah. yeah so I, I'm still not sure. Same like for, for me, I want her character to still be alive and hopefully I'm certain she is. Yeah. I'm certain she is from what we saw at the end. I I'm so. certain from what we'll get to at the end of this episode that I know who saved her. But um, so. I, yeah. Yeah. Oh, we, yes. We can kind of tell just going back to uh, Timothy Oliphant's entrance, which is it, it just for for reasons that I think had to do with the casting of the original trilogy like Boba Fett to me is always very short because his height compared to Mark Hamill's height seemed mm -hmm. in um, Return of the Jedi like he was shorter than Harrison Ford but mm -hmm. slightly taller than you know Luke so I was like this is uh, something is off you know clearly yeah. it's not Boba Fett clearly it's yeah. not anyone we've seen before he's just yeah. too skinny you know yeah. he's really tall and he's got like this t-shirt kind of puffing out through the best yeah which doesn't feel <laughs> yeah. to me like Mando code like I know I'm yeah. not, not yeah. an expert so you can tell too that like Mando had high hopes right he was just like mm. I'm gonna meet a friend you know like mm -hmm. there's somebody who survived this is great yeah. and it's just like fuck you take that off you yeah. piece of shit <laughs> yeah give it to me now yeah yeah. And uh, one wonders what would have happened had they just duked it out before our uh, dragon made his entrance there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, Jin would have beaten the crap out of him. What else do we have to say about what happens in the bar? Because I really am excited to talk about the Tusken Raiders role <laughs> in this. Oh, it's it's up there with Suga um, moments with the uh, the Jawas. Yeah. Um, I so mean, we get we get kind of the that that he has a right to the armor yeah and, and a, a good purpose and right. and, and also because jin jarin to jin jarin right yeah i don't know if it goes by jin, i don't know if the d is silent or not to jin yeah jin, <laughs> jin. like like genie i don't know yeah yeah who knows? so so i realized re-watching the episode a second time i was like well you know you're kind of exactly what you're calling out though because you're not a mandalorian in the traditional sense either you were an orphan who was raised by them and this is a person who you, you kind of have this code this creed this higher calling like you help all these people on these planets to fight monsters and to fight the empire and relics of like evil and then that combined with his ability to always sympathize with like the tuscan raiders and sort of mm. the indigenous peoples of the universe i love that perspective we don't see a lot of that in star wars there is there is a lot in the original of sort of othering of the tuscan raiders and right not no, so this... much of droids but you know like the Tuscan Raiders are entitled to the position they have on Tatooine and that's yeah. their home world. Yes. Yeah. For thousands Luke, of years. Yeah. Yeah. And Luke and Obi-Wan, you know, kind of just like assumed they were evil, you know, Nomads. creatures and <laughs> Obi-Wan knew how to handle them with impersonating this, this sound. Yeah that terrifies them, which is very similar to some of the sounds you hear from the dragon. Yes. Oh, it's, it, it, it is, is the sound. it is yeah. the sound. Yeah. yeah. So which, it's like, he knew the dragon sound would sound. scare, mm. scare them. Um, so I'm excited hate, to hate see, it so much. I know. I'm so <laughs> excited to see how, um, Obi-Wan, you know, series, uh, revisits Tatooine though. I really hope that that happens. I get the feeling that Obi-Wan's relationship with the Tusken Raiders or sand people, is more nuanced than because I, I don't, I don't think he ever Luke calls them, them evil or anything along those lines. 
Um, it's just sort of the the like um, notion of fear that he says to Luke, you know, they'll be back, you know, in the dark and we have to wait for them sure. to, to leave. And so maybe it is more of a respect, um, a healthy, respectful fear. He's, and they'll, he's yeah, a, they'll come yeah. back in greater numbers. They, you know, always walk in single file to hide their numbers. I mean, he, right. he understands that they're a nomad group, but not necessarily... Yeah. An evil group, just somebody that will take right. what you have if you are out in the elements. So I yeah. guess then it really casts all the way back a call back to Anakin slaughtering all of the Tuscan. I hate them. Yeah, <laughs> I killed them all. They're just the women, the, the children, children. Yeah, and, uh, and they the massive. But like, did they kill his mother or were they and the dewbacks? Like, yeah, <laughs> the dewbacks and the poor. Um, Banthas. Oh my God! Oh so yeah, sacrifice in this episode. A lot, a lot of sacrificial oh, Banthas. So ah. unfortunate. And I love whenever, like, side note, I love whenever they um, lay a Bantha, you know, bait trap, and it's actually the like Tuscan Raider. That was a great unexpected twist <laughs> on that moment that you're used to seeing the tied animal to the post, yeah. and I, I was oh, like, we get the tied animal. That's how did great. you guys choose which Tuscan Raider has to go leave the Bantha <laughs> there? Because each time it's like is he the fastest runner we don't know like yeah we gotta get the fuck out of here yeah. maybe because it was his bantha yeah maybe yeah so I, we I, yeah so i also see like that's a dune crossover it, right it there. is yeah, yeah. It, it, but it, but an interesting thing for me you know being a child of the 70s and 80s this episode finally explained what that huge skeleton was in the opening sequence when c3po was walking away when they splits from r2d2 in the yeah. first movie you see that large skeleton, which is yeah. the dragon skeleton. And, it, and you never kind of piece that together. You're just like, oh, this planet has sandworms or something. I don't know if it's a doom yeah. callback call or what. Based but, on what we were talking about last week, Striker with Raised by Wolves, you can yeah. see Raised by Wolves in, yeah. and Ridley yes. Scott pull the the sandworm co concept from raised by wolves into you know that that's pulled out of clearly out of the sarlacc pit and sort of the sand snakes and yeah um all of that so yeah it's yeah. a really it's kind of a <laughs> it will always appear in any desert based sci-fi landscape there will always be something that's tunneling under the like unforgiving soil and sun <laughs> mm -hmm. where it's um, nice and cool so but, yeah. but i know I, I have to give you know john favreau so much credit too because i grew up watching the first trilogy which was four five and six and yeah. this show feels like Star Wars four, five, and six, the way yeah. it was made. The universe feels the exact same. I mean, it got, it got a little too clean, I thought, and too perfect the way that the CG and the animation felt like it, it's supposed to be more dirty, more lived in, in my grittier. opinion. Yeah. And I, I really feel that with the Mandalorian series and the way that they utilize both, you know, the scenery, the props right. and the costumes to have them. It's like Game of Thrones as well. You, you were so used to watching fantasy shows where all of the suits of armor were perfect and then game of thrones shows you the show where like everything's dented up used battle worn scarred yeah. like nothing is is perfect everything's lived in and feels so believable and that is the mm -hmm. i think a, a perfect way to like meld those two to stay say you know that this style is what really brings viewers into your universe by giving totally. it that sense of reality to make it feel lived in and believable and I think it brings good ref. There's a lot of good reference to, I think with, with the prequel trilogy as well. And that there's, it's not so irreverent. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of the prequel trilogy by any means, but there is, there are, there are good things in there. And, yeah. and, you know, what we see in 
when we go to Tatooine in episode one is Tatooine itself is very dirty. Yeah. And I think there is, I know George Lucas was really trying to draw a distinction in interviews I've seen of like the core worlds versus the outer rim yeah, and like what that, the class differential, you yeah. know, which between, between these two different, very two different types of worlds mm-hmm. um, that exist within, within his universe. And so it was cool. Like, you know, we have the pitroids, we have massives, which were introduced the, the like dog creatures that were introduced in episode two yeah. um, with the sand people. And like, we go to a sand people village and it's not about like Killing. violence. Yeah. yeah. And, and there's, Fun getting to see more fun sign language grunting stuff. Oh my with gosh! Like, and his uh, his so delivery, good. yeah. I I mean, because he, he works. So that's one of the reasons I really was excited having watched the Gunslinger right before I watched this for the first time. Is when his, he first asked for passage across um, the Tuscan Raiders' land. Is he's saying, you know, that guy's with him, Cal or whoever the the bad bounty hunter um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. who uh, tries to kill Fennec um, is like oh let's like shoot him and he's like well they this is their land you know this is this is they think that we're the invaders and yeah. you know the raiders not them um so he's <clears throat> asking for passage and he trades the guy's um brand new binox uh mm-hmm. in order to to secure a passage and the guy is like those were brand new and mando goes yep they were and <laughs> just gets back <laughs> on the speed it, yeah. bike yeah the other thing is the speed bikes okay can we talk about this massive? What the heck? Like this looks like the the it's, new the one two three trilogy level. It's, Anna, of... it's Anakin's pod. I'm, totally. I'm positive. Yeah, it's totally pod. his pod. Yeah, this, just, I know like, it was a pod. Yeah, it's, it's, it was yeah. a race. I mean, it was a racer. Yes, and it's, it's for. I did like some like because I immediately was like that looks just like coloration of Anakin's pod. Mm. I'm pretty sure that's supposed to be his pod. Like one of the engines totally yeah and i think that to striker's point like calling back to the things about star wars as children that made (laughs) us love it the speed bike scenes like the ones on um return of the jedi when luke and leia are fighting the star the stormtroopers on endor and they're in the woods on that scene my brother and i used to on our bikes just in our driveway reenact that scene like a million (laughs) such a yeah and it's groundbreaking when it was shot too it's first time you ever seen something like that i've watched entire movie of like the the speeder like just the scenes like you called back earlier striker the scenes in um the last episode of season one you know Mm. where it's um the comedians who are kind of beating up baby yoda in the basket um (laughs) uh, any scene involving speed bikes in this this series are fantastic and in gunslinger Mm -hmm. um when he and this newer bounty hunter who doesn't make it past that episode are coming at fennec shan and using the flash grenades to shock her vision in -hmm. the dark so that she can't get a good aim at either of them is just one of the most beautiful shots like when you know the the speeder kind of turns in front of her and dust kicks up everywhere and it's in the light of the flashbang or like it's almost like if i was john favreau i would make like six episodes (laughs) where people are riding nothing but cool (laughs) speeders and shooting shit and like that's very to me also why the wild west aspect setting 
-hmm. in a desert Tatooine, you know, um, landscape works so well. It just, it fits. It all feels, you know, you kind of know the moral black and white and gray areas. We kind of walk in between them and it's really just so entertaining and such a a fun, you know, nostalgic feeling to see these scenes working in kind of those, those pieces of the movie that you wish we had spent more time on in the Mm -hmm. trilogies. And I like the way that he rolls into town nice and slowly on the speeder bike when you're coming. And it just calls back to those Wild West movies when the outlaws coming into town on his horse and he's just yeah. looking around and seeing the characters left and yep. right as they come in and out of focus and kind of set who they are and create like the, the town atmosphere when you're first walking yeah, and town. commandeering other Hold people's right dubaks and banthas like and, <laughs> yeah. you know a dead body hanging by the saddle in, in uh, the gunslinger episode yeah. off yeah. of that dubak saddle like yes. it's just <laughs> It's great. And so we kind of get a quick like flashback of the marshal finding the armor on the like trading a bunch of um, crystals that he's gotten after defeating the or after those raiders come into town right after the dust yeah, storm tra- yeah, during yes, a the celebration mining guild. The mining yeah, guild, the yeah. mining guild right after a celebration too, or during the celebration yes. in the bar. Mm-hmm. And in that celebration of the bar, you know, he helps the bartender, Stephen, get out. Mm-hmm. You know, you were just talking mm-hmm. about sort of that relationship and the Deadwood callbacks there. So he's we see all the the Jawa ship and we've see, we have a, a different perspective on Jawas now after the second episode of season one of Mando. Suga! 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 <laughs> they're so yeah. <laughs> they're always... Yeah, they're so excited. Um, <laughs> and he, they're just like, whatever the hell you want on this. And I'm like looking around. I'm like, is there anything more valuable, though, than the Beskar? Probably not. Like he's and he just sees that and he's like that. That's what I want. Yeah. Comes back into town, like gets the, the mining guild gone for the benefit of everybody in the community. And like now they've got this uh, dragon rolling in under the town. And mm-hmm. Mando well, kind of convinces well, him. What, what were your thoughts, though, initially when you saw that armor that the marshal was wearing when he walked in and, and when I noticed the coloration i mean i geeked out i was yeah, like my watch my wife I was like yeah yeah i i want to say that reading the aftermath and i was pretty it was confirmed i think that Cobb Vanth was going to be in it. I I wasn't sure. I thought I thought maybe we were going to get a flashback of Boba Fett coming out of the Sarlacc pit. Yeah, and that's same. where that's where I thought that okay, yeah. that's well. And we had been speculating for so long too last year. Like remember Stephen when we saw the episode at the end of the Gunslinger episode, we mm-hmm. were like, it's got to be Boba Fett who drags Fennec Shand out of you know the sand out there because who else is out there in the desert and yeah you're totally right because that one of the reasons when i bought this was you can get a Django fett and a boba fett costume and i like that this is like the the og like the Django fett from the prequels and then the boba fett classic with the jetpack um yeah and the, the faulty jetpack jet <laughs> 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 I loved that. I loved that callback to that. Yeah. That was fantastic. <laughs> so yeah, and okay. So let's let's keep let's keep it moving forward because I feel like I can get lost in this for hours. Oh, but, we can. Um, I'm, I'm fine with it. <laughs> so we go. We we get the convincing by Mando again. Like these people 
Well, actually, no, it's kind of reversed because in season one, it was mostly him getting convinced to stay and help people fight their battles. And now he's convincing people to actually take up arms against, you know, whatever monsters are challenging them. Yeah. So and uh, the marshal makes it seem as though it's going to be very difficult to convince his people, but they actually all just kind of listen to me. And they're like, yeah, yeah, let's go. But then you see them having to work with the Tuscan Raiders. And it is very Wild West feeling, kind of like when you have Native Americans working with the yep. good guys to get the bad guys and the perception is like well they're all bad and you know it, it's really a different lens to look through yeah, yeah it's very much that trope and i really like because we all know mando's character we don't get facial expressions we don't get <laughs> can't watch all him speak but the way he communicates with the sand people in the suit is brings out just this kind of you know emotion from him that you don't get to see through the mask and and that's yeah. really nice to watch mm -hmm. well and yeah. also kind of um speaks to steven's point about the the broader universe of star wars i think that that the one two and three trilogy really sort of expanded our familiarity with different you know components of the universe from like coruscant to some of the outposts and i think that that Mando's perception of like our kind, their kind, its kind is really becoming sanded down now that he's got the child really as a as a critical influence coming with him mm -hmm. everywhere, by the way, even yeah. into battle now, he won't leave him with Peli. It's Yes. It's, I, I was surprised by that. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So this brings us to my marked favorite audio, not only from um this series or season, but just from all Star Wars content ever. They say it lives in there. They say it sleeps. It lives in an abandoned Sarlacc pit. I've lived on Tatooine my whole life. There's no such thing as an abandoned Sarlacc pit. There is if you eat the Sarlacc. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the best. It's so dry. He's so, his delivery, and I have to find yeah. out too. I haven't done enough research into this because I keep falling down like singular rabbit holes, but I don't know if Pedro Pascal did the, the Tuscan Raider voice himself in the suit yeah. or if that was a voice actor that was brought in to do yeah. it if it was him my my level of respect just like shot through the roof like i bet mm. he's going to be able to speak wookie at this point like flawlessly <laughs> i mean it was kind of fun in solo when we saw han speak wookie poorly to chewy when they first meet in that scene and i yeah. feel like that's a really underrated film yes um, in the broader context of the 11 that we have to work mm. from but yeah so that's my favorite dialogue i rewatched that just cackling like six or seven times and you know that's right when they're realizing they got to bring more people to the pit and mm -hmm. or to the hole and bring out this monster and then shoot it from the belly but i love i love the rapport i really hope we see more of timothy oliphant i i think he makes a better sidekick for mando than anyone that we've had so far mm -hmm. in the series and i don't know any other favorite moments from that uh, impressive and devastating from a population management standpoint battle so jetpacks. yeah the jetpack the the like the clear the clear issue with that model of jetpack that was exploited <laughs> again uh to, to to rocket him off is pretty great i think that did you want to get into possible theories of how boba fett survived in that sarlacc pit yeah, I, so when this, when the monster, when the dragon is coming through under the town and under the cave that they find it in, mm -hmm. it sounds like 
10 people screaming. If you, if you isolate that audio, I went back a few times, his roar mm. sounds like people screaming from within him. And didn't, it's, how long does it take the Sarlacc pit to digest somebody? Thousand Dolphins? years, I think they were saying. Yeah. yeah. It, mm -hmm. and, and that's the, I mean, obviously you're going to die of old age before your body's completely dissolved. But the, the one aspect of the only, not even canon, but the only thing that's ever shown the inside of a Sarlacc pit would be, um, robot chicken and they've right. had like <laughs> you know yeah. like Boba Fett chill up against the wall and some other guy falls in and you, you know they essentially just have a conversation while they're down there being digested over a thousand years but I, I assume his Beskar armor would be the best defense against being digested even so. quicker than not quick but it seems like you can kind of survive within a Sarlacc stomach while you're slowly being digested I assume. So I'm yeah. re-watching the end scene and striker did you recognize did you recognize boba fett at the end of the episode well yes so i, mm -hmm. I recognize the actor because it looked like jango fett right and yeah. isn't jango fett yeah. boba's clone that he kept so that that's you know i, I didn't say that's boba fett. At first i was like that's jango fett and i was like holy crap that's probably boba so I you, like i yeah. went to jango first was the first thing that i thought because that's the only time you saw a uh, Mandalorian with his helmet off. Boba's really. so, father, yeah. Yes. So, yes. Because, and they're clones. Because yeah. clones, the non-Boba Fett clones had accelerated growth. Mm -hmm. They died. They died very relatively young for how you know because they grew so fast. So my that's my only Boba Fett did not have that inhibitor put in him, so he was yeah. able to age naturally. So yeah. that's yeah. I mean. Amazing. gotta be boba fett yeah. i don't think it's i don't i also thought i'm like it could be another clone but i don't know why i don't think i think we're gonna maybe yeah. maybe like fives or some of those have survived maybe maybe we'll have some of that i don't know but we're the timeline is well, pretty check far out, out how his gear has changed right so like it's got a gaffy stick yeah very yes. obi-wan looking silhouette mm -hmm. right yeah, like so if good. He, until you see the face and uh then it's very much, you know, he turns around and you're just like, oh, shit. Like, you know, yeah, you know yeah. yes. And yeah, it's um, crazy when he turned around, even back in the beginning, like the, the trailer before Mando season one launched, a lot of people thought it was Boba Fett, but the armor was wrong. Like your point striker, the coloring was wrong and everything. And so like my brother and I, six months before it came out, we're like, did you see they're like filming a new Boba Fett show? And then we're like, oh, it's not him after all. So it's really neat how the order of the trilogies made it so that we would have an actor who's at the right age to play like a digested Boba Fett yeah. now. And there had been rumors of him on set. So it, it kind of was something that if you look for spoilers, you kind of knew it was coming. Something, yeah. Yeah. Just I, like some of the other characters that we know are probably coming. But yeah, I think that you're you're on the, onto something there, Stephen. So about how he could have survived inside the Sarlacc pit. I think he killed the Sarlacc. I and it wasn't it. eaten. That it wasn't that. <laughs> I think so that the crate, I think the crate, the yeah. I think, no, I think the crate dragon may have ate it after he killed after it. After it was dead. Yeah. 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 I, I, that's, that, and that, that could make sense. Yeah. That's my, because there was stuff I think was it is it was it a comic in the eighties or one of the books that's how he he killed the Sarlacc and got out mm -hmm. and get the Ewoks he gave the Ewoks the arm I mean not Ewoks the Jawas the armor yeah so presumably even in aftermath they just the Jawas have the armor there's not yeah and one would have to imagine he was bartering with them for something Probably. else so that he could yeah. survive you know yeah. because um, and he's not a Mandalorian so yeah. he's he's not bound by the armor to him. 
is not the same as it was it would be to someone like no like and that's yeah and that's another interesting point is because up until the mandalorian series we kind of were i mean people who weren't deep into the um the books and the comics you know kind of were under the perception until they really talked about the battle of mandalore and you know the work that they did laying the groundwork for this in um the bad batch uh last season Mm -hmm. um there's a lot to learn about the code and so really it's kind of neat because because mando is almost setting you know common canon understanding of what it takes to wear the armor what is Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. what is it to be bound to the code and the guy who just like you know the 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 marshal just sort of taking the helmet off and really pissed Mando off. yeah (laughs) (laughs) he's like i kept that shit on for 10 episodes Yeah. yeah um so, so you're saying Boba Fett is not a true Mandalorian because no. I, I didn't read all of the books. I didn't, so, you know, all I know is movie canon essentially. So, so Django is not a Mandalorian either. He okay. was an outsider. And so they, in fact, the Mandalorians hate Django mm-hmm. Fett. Yeah. He basically um, co-opted their armor and, yeah. you know, that's the, the sort of sacrilegious act of commandeering Mando armor to build the uh, prototype for stormtroopers right and, oh, and gotcha. yeah. you know um they wear helmets all the time too they're not allowed to remove their helmet either think of um the first one of the recent trilogy where um finn takes his helmet off and mm-hmm. captain phasma's like who allowed you to take your helmet off you know just like it's it's not done so it's sort of like a black and white version of the mandalorian code and we think boba fett is a villain and obviously stormtroopers are a villain and people coming into man cold probably assumed the same thing about him is that he's just there to pick up bounties but he's truly at his heart you know become a mandalorians and a, a sect of, of mandalorians that i think are zealots so like we don't because there's plenty of plenty of mandalorians that we get in clone wars that don't follow that code the code of mandalore which there is which is like a kotor knights of the old republic mm-hmm. kind of thing the first like the Man- mandalore the character mandalore kind of is that does not take his helmet off. I think there's some kind of cult around that. And I think the sect that that uh, Jin's a part of is like the not so great sect or or the very much exiled sect of Mandalorians hmm, is, right. is, is, my, is my thought. There's an episode. Um, so if you haven't watched the Clone Wars cartoon, it's now all on Disney Plus, but the most recent season, which oh ended God. over the summer, yeah. they have- best, a, I've got to start best. watching it. Yeah. The God, season. the last two episodes are so good. You don't have to rewatch <laughs> The whole series striker i just no. watched the last two seasons and yeah. there's an episode in the final season that we got last year or this year um feels like forever ago it was like six six months ago um they did a siege of mandalore episode oh wow um, awesome. yeah so you should definitely watch it it's, it's interesting to see kill, it's the, amazing yeah i saw the ones on rebels with the callback for the mandalore uh when yeah. they had their issues there but yeah i'll go and watch clone wars now too yeah so i think that for fans the satisfaction of kind of understanding the easter eggs during like longtime fans of star wars got such a reward in this episode it was a long wait i was just thinking last year it came out on october 30th as well mm-hmm. obviously back then nobody had a, a costume for the mandalorian because no. there it was it came out on halloween so it was not um yeah. you know i was just thinking because i've seen like 16 people with mando costumes i felt all right. special with mine and i'm like i'm not <laughs> special at all everyone Aww. has one <laughs> but yeah so I think that the reward is I I said as soon as I finished watching it I thought that was the possibly the best 
hour, continuous hour of content in Star Wars, mm. period. And I've rewatched it a couple times. If it's you good. were it's to say, good. if you were to say I could only pick one hour continuously from any movie, film, television series, book, whatever, like mm. that would be probably the hour I would pick. You get kind of a continuity pull between the old and the new. You've got references and callbacks to all, all of the trilogies, all of the standalone films. You've got, you know, characters from Mando season one. You've got references to things that we assume are going to be coming in future star wars episodes and series so i think um and then the big reveal at the end of the episode as well oh my god yeah any any thoughts on this episode or better yet thoughts on what comes next in in week two i haven't seen i haven't seen any spoilers yet because i've been so busy finding things to love about this episode (laughs) so Um, i haven't done my diligence uh so the final scene at least with um boba looking across the landscape are the other were the sand people with the mandalorian were they visible to him was that what he was looking at at that time or was he looking across where the entire battle took place with the uh, Cape Dragon? It looks like he is looking out up. Well, we know that we're going to see all of our characters from last season reprising their roles because all of the promo, all of the the promo materials for season two have the old cast from last season in it because Gina Carano is there. Carl Weathers. Carl Weathers, yeah. John Carlo Esposito, we know from the finale, survived mm. in his awesome badass tie intercept with the yes. holding. What is that? Is it, the dark, dark saber, saber, yeah. Werner Herzog is dead. Ming-Na Wen is, you know, to be known what happens. The same with the widow from the village that Mando had a sort of romantic. Oh, yeah. I forgot mm-hmm. Uh, Taika Waititi is not directing anything this season, and that's because he's been tasked with directing the forthcoming trilogy about the Old Republic. Oh, cool. (laughs) Am I right, Stephen? Is it, what, no, it's oh. the High the High Republic. Sorry, the High Republic is the next film trilogy for Star Wars. It's going to predate known activities of of like the the trilogies that we know by thousands of years. Okay, based largely on canon, um, but obviously introducing new characters. And then the book that's coming out that aligns closely to the script material is the light of the jedi graphic novel that's coming out in january so i think that that's interesting too because you've got a series moving forward to close the gap between the battle for endor and you know encountering ray and kylo ren and all of this the um deaths of our main characters through the trilogy but there's nothing that takes it beyond ray and kylo ren defeating palpatine Mm -hmm. in the last film that we know of yet. The Cassian series obviously has to occur before the battle for Yavin 4. Mm-hmm. And um, the Obi-Wan series takes place after he has lost, after Anakin has lost his ways and, and ceased to become his Padawan. And it's Obi-Wan independent kind of of everyone but himself before he meets Luke, right? Is that, Stephen, is that what you know so far? Yeah. The bad, did you say the Bad Batch show as well? Yeah. So I was saying that that was, oh, so that's, that's, 
gotten a green light for another season, right? Yeah, that's just going to be the bad. It won't be Clone Wars. It's not going to be the Clone Wars. It's just going to be Bad Bad Batch. Is it? Is it going back in time? I don't. That's what I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm that. I don't. I'm not entirely sure. Well, this will. This will be really cool, Striker, for you to see because Mm -hmm. um, the Clone Force '99 and the characters from Clone Wars are really based on that Jango Fett kind of make and model of stormtroopers and like the autonomy versus those who are just kind of followers and yeah which were the ones that anakin sort of commandeered anakin and obi-wan sort of comment commandeered between films two and three so it's it's also an interesting timeline but it's 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 very telling to me that you kind of have disney sitting over these two monolith families of films in the mcu or the mcu and x-men fantastic four universe Mm. with star wars because time has become very like very non-linear as a plot device and you kind of can think of it the way that bruce banner and the ancient one have it laid out visually in endgame if you think of time along those lines and how you can bend it and how you can kind of pick any point in time and and kind of peek into a story it's interesting that both of those both of those families of films are sort of and content streaming shows etc um new graphic novels are all kind of doing away with how formulaic we're used to trilogies mm. progressing and you know i think dceu is kind of doing this too with suicide squad and kind of suicide squad being redone again already um <laughs> and recast again already less than four years or after they made the last one so time has really kind of ceased to matter um and I wonder if the appetite for that as an audience has anything to do with this weird year that we've yeah. all been through because it kind of feels like every day is Groundhog's Day right now. You wake mm. up, maybe you put a mask on and go to the grocery store. Maybe you go into an office, maybe you don't. And you're just sitting here and unable to live the life that you want to live. And and this uh, the streaming content shows like Mando, I think, are I have a lot more energy, you know, looking forward to every Thursday at midnight than <laughs> I did um, a, a week ago. Yeah. No, I can't. This is this is very much. Thank thank God. There's there's something like this on now. And yeah. Can look forward yeah. to on a weekly basis. Yeah, it's it's literally the only. So the the Crown always releases um, all of their episodes at once, and that's a series that I've been with since the beginning of this right. season uh, or the beginning of the series, and it's going to the season where they'll introduce Diana, Princess Diana. Hmm. That launches on the fifteenth, I believe. Thanksgiving is when we're hearing that we'll get. WandaVision, um, which will be a weekly release and not mm-hmm. a dump the way that Netflix does um, yeah. letting you binge. That'll and be good. The one other thing I did want to say, because I know she's going to be coming back in, if not the next episode, I, I, I imagine Mando will revisit the friends he needs to protect the child quickly. So like Cara Dune. And- yeah, we got to get back to that that arc in a way. Yeah, I would be remiss not to comment on there's a lot of mess that's been made in the last month or two because Gina Carano is sort of anti-mask pro-open the government right now. Mm. And if you think back to her past as an MMA fighter and sort of running in the wrestling circles that, you know, Donald Trump also runs in, um, it's not necessarily shocking, but it is disappointing. I think Disney and the Star Wars universe, while actors and actresses are under contract, are very 
very strict with what they can and can't say. It was really surprising to me that a number of the Avengers were even able to do an event for Kamala Harris that I sat in on a couple weeks ago. Robert Downey Jr., who never comments politically, was there. And that was like the surprise guest, which was a big shock. So I wonder if Disney is having to loosen the reins on that or if that means Cara Dune doesn't survive this season. Because if that's the case and she's no, no longer under an NDA for having a political opinion, yeah, please do wear masks. The position of this show is wear masks and vote for Be us like too. a Mandalorian. Wear yeah. a mask. Wear a mask. Yeah. yeah. Don't take it off ever. Yep. Ever. Not ever. <laughs> Not this is a mask. Eat. Yeah. <laughs> I'm actually Steven and he's actually me. Face we, off. Yeah. Just like another great Nick Cage movie. Um, yeah. Well, which, this is which name face off. Face on again, then face back <laughs> off, and face back on again. Reface, but. reface <laughs> off on. Um, well, this has been great. I am so appreciative that both of you guys had time on a Halloween morning to record this. I'm glad to be able oh. to put something out yeah. this afternoon for those adults who get their kids to bed early tonight to have something to listen to and then to rewatch um, again and again and again. Uh, Mando season two, episode one is just. Yeah, I got to watch it. Yeah. I got to watch it again. Oh, yeah, I yeah. do too. I it's, do too. Yeah. And then and definitely highly, highly recommend because this was just an accident. I didn't know that the Marshall was going to be episode one. I didn't know any mm. of the plot points. Steven and I are not yet on that VIP list of Star Wars fan podcasts that get like <laughs> early copies of the episodes. Oh, so we didn't know. Someday. Yeah, Someday. We will. We That'd will. Be awesome. It's going to happen. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, the rebel scum always have a seat at this table, but we you just didn't. We didn't know. So the fact that I sat there at 1.30 a.m. Like, what am I going to watch to kill the half hour between now and when they drop the episode? And I just picked the middle episode of season one. It, it There's such there's such a dichotomy between the episodes. So I highly recommend watch. Yeah, the yeah. yeah, I will do that. Same characters, same kind of Wild West setting. It's all on Tatooine and then watch season uh season two episode one yeah and, and that's why i really like a lot of people are in the binge society that's the way you're used to consuming media but yep. with the game of thrones i mean i was able to process the show watch week it multiple times each yeah. week and just be ready for the next one and that's the same way that i i love this with mando because i do rewatch it during the week and whereas yeah. when i binge a show i rarely go back and re-binge it Right. I right. watch it once right. by myself and once with once with my family and then I yeah. watch it a million times but but I struggle too to find out am I a person who like when with House of Cards do I watch a whole season in two days or do right. I watch <laughs> yeah. you know or like The Crown I can watch like six episodes in one night because that's yeah. how into that is. and also speaking of that that we'll be dropping a midweek episode that is just me talking about shows about um, monarchies and mon monarchy based shows monarchy um, yeah the pal palace <laughs> how you intrigue. say monarchy how you say <laughs> monarchy yeah so shows like Rain um the Tudors, Versailles, mm. uh, The Crown, Victoria, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, all within scope for this like two hour long episode that I've been working on for months because <laughs> that's what I've been watching because it's the least like current reality that I can think of. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but there's something about society. There's good commentary about society and that the fact that those shows are always popular, sort of the movies like Elizabeth, et cetera, mm -hmm. are always very like Oscar buzz worthy. Um, yeah, King's Speech and yeah. Yeah. Everything. And yeah. Uh, uh, Shakespeare in Love. Um, yeah. So that episode and then Stephen and I will be back and hopefully Stryker will, will continue to trespass on your time throughout the season. Um, I, I'm just happy to be here, guys. Thank you very much for. So great oh, yeah. Me. No, thank you. Great my, to meet you. 
Oh, you too, Stephen. <laughs> um, well, thanks. And as always, pinkies up. And we'll see you all next week at the tea table. 